The following podcast is a proud member of the Blue Collar Roots Network. Find all the shows by visiting bluecollarroots.com. Here's your host, the guy who you can think of as a good neighbor right down the street. He lives right on the corner of HVAC Avenue and Building Science Boulevard. The guy with the best Christmas lights, the manicured yard, and the lowest power bills in town, Bill Spone. Welcome back to another edition of the Building HVAC Science Podcast, where it's our goal to help create better, more knowledgeable HVAC and building performance technicians. Also trying to help these two professions understand each other with the ultimate goal of making customers happy in the homes they live in and the buildings they work in. Well, let's take that last sentence there, and that's the exact reason why we have Taurier Gronas. I'm going to call him T from here on. He's Norwegian. He's a gentleman who built a house for his family in the Atlanta area in 2015, and he was building an Energy Star home on an Energy Star plan and development and came across a lot of problems after he moved in. He's going to go through and describe some of those problems and then some of the things that he had to put into play himself through research, through understanding, to listening to some of the favorite geeks that we love listening to, like Allison Bales and Matt Reisinger, Larry Janeski, Joe Stebrick, Nate Adams, Ted Kidd. He did a lot of learning and self-education to find out what he had to do to actually make the house deliver what he intended when he actually got into building this home. So let's take a listen to Terje Gronas and find out what he learned in his Energy Star home, the construction of his Energy Star home. We have with us Terje Gronas, who is actually a consumer, a consumer of services, of contracting for an Energy Star home. And he's had some trouble with his home, and we brought him on the show to talk about it. He's a very well-educated, very well-spoken man, and we're here to hear a little bit from him. And because of the way I just slaughtered his name, I may be calling him T for the rest of this interview. So how are you doing tonight, T? I'm great, thank you. How are you? Doing well, thank you. And thank you for coming on. And we first started corresponding on a Facebook page that you had started. So tell us a little bit about your story, sort of what drew your interest into building an Energy Star home, because it was a new home, new construction, right? That's correct. So it all started back in the house we lived in before we built this home. We had a very nice house we lived in on the lake here. We live on the north side of Atlanta, but there was some issues there. It was a very like, look at me house, tall ceilings, but they had some issues. Some rooms were cold, some were warm. So that bothered me a little bit. So I started looking into that and watching some videos on YouTube. And that kind of opened my eyes up to the fact that a house has a great effect on your health. Now, my wife has some health issues. And I had never made a connection before between the two. So as I learned more and more, I realized that a good home is important. At the same time, I discovered that there was a neighborhood near my work being built. And it seems like a good opportunity to get into a house that had third-party certification and been tested throughout by, call it a brand name house in the industry. So we ended up building the house. It was finished in September 2015. And that's when we moved in. In the start, everything seemed great. It seemed like a really nice house. And come the first winter, and we started running into the troubles that led me down this, call it rabbit hole of uh, home performance. (laughs) So what happened was that we started getting a lot of condensation on the windows on the inside. What time of year were you getting the condensation? I think when it started getting cold outside. So reading up about that, I'm a researcher by personality. So on the internet, researching this and, you know, okay, so it turns to winter, window surfaces are cold. Typically, there's higher humidity because of the summer. We live in the south near Atlanta. So give it a couple of weeks, the house should dry out and there shouldn't be a problem. Now, that didn't happen. It just got worse and worse as the winter progressed. And my wife's like, this ain't right. And I'm like, well, I don't get it. The house should dry out. It's wintertime. So on the Facebook page you refer to, there's a picture 
the background picture there, and that's actually our bathroom window, and that's how it was most of the winter. So we now had to figure out what was wrong with the house because something was wrong. So we called the builder. He comes out. We get the window people out. There's nothing wrong with the windows. HVAC people comes out. We had another little problem is too that the master bedroom, bathroom, and all this was over conditioned. It was much cooler when it got warm in the weather, and but it was much warmer in, in the winter time, so it was over conditioned. So their fix for that was just closing the vents in the bedroom. And I had by now kind of learned enough online to know that that's yeah, that's not quite how you do it. Let's just increase static pressure. So you have to arrest me if I get too geeky. Cause <laughs> no, no, this podcast is about the geeks. They're going to love, they're going to suck all this up. How many people out there do you think are like you or maybe like you going into the process, to going into making the decision? Do you ever run into any colleagues or do you have a feeling like you're unique, you stand alone? Or is this one of the reasons people look into certified homes? I'm not sure. I mean, we had some particular reasons. The energy saving that's supposed to be from Energy Star Home was appealing. It was close to my work and the health aspect was important. I'm not so sure. I think a lot of people do like saving money on a monthly basis on utility bills and that's probably the biggest draw. But I come to learn later on, like Robert Bean said, if you build for comfort, the energy savings will follow naturally. This is a problem you see throughout the neighborhood here now with all the other homes. There's and somewhere between 60, 65 homes built. I hear a lot of complaints about comfort. And the reason for that, we'll probably get into a little later. But for us, it was the health aspect and some energy savings. That's what drew you to this type of home. Yeah. And you had that the name, Energy Star, that you would trust that name. It's a government entity. So you assume they got their stuff together and it's going to be good. So... In the spring of 2016, I really started digging into what was going on with our house. And I started reading a bunch of websites, started learning, watching more and more YouTube videos. Like every night, I spent hours going to bed and my wife sitting next to me in bed. And she's like, are you on that darn website again? (laughs) (laughs) Haven't you heard enough of Matt Reisinger? (laughs) <laughs> so I read ton of article on the Energy Vanguard website, the blog from Alison Bales, a lot of good articles there. I was on the HVAC talk forum, reading through all kinds of HVAC stuff there. The Green Building Advisor, I watched Dr. Energy Saver with Larry Janeski, of course, Matt Reisinger. I think I watched like every single video he had put out by that time. Talks done by Joe Stierbrick and articles in the Building Science Corporation. So, I mean, I was just soaking it all in, asking questions. And I must say a big thank to all the guys commenting on, like, the Energy Vanguard blog. It's been very helpful. People have been very respectful when replying back. And it's good that they treat newbies like me (laughs) with respect and answer them well. I, I really appreciate that. So. I learned a lot. You've tapped into all the veins in the gold mine here. Every one of those names you mentioned, Reisinger, Energy Vanguard, Larry Janeski, Joe Stebrook, Dr. Energy Saver. Those are all the Green Building Advisor, all very uh, important learning tools and resources. And they weren't always available. Or I think it's just the last five years or so, things have really started to pick up in the higher quality materials people are interested in sharing. So lucky for you in a way. Yeah, lucky for me. I mean... The internet can be a fantastic resource if you just probe around and poke around and you'll find the good material in the end. As I was reading these articles, I started asking questions about other stuff in my home, especially my HVAC system. So real quick about our house, it is a ranch house on a basement. It has a two-car garage and there's a bonus room over the garage. We have spray foam, open cell spray foam in the attic. And the HVAC system is up in the attic. We had a single-stage heat pump, no gas in the house. It was a three-ton system. Our main living room area is about 
2,000 square foot and the bonus room is about 200 square foot. The house was zoned. So the bonus room itself was one zone and the rest of the house was another zone. So it hit me that, hmm, we have what's called a single stage blower. And it's going to do the job for both 2,000 square foot and 200 square foot. So how do you deal with that? There's a massive difference in the volume of air needed to be delivered ultimately to each space. So to cope with that, they realized they had installed what's called a bypass duct. I didn't read a whole lot of positive information about the bypass duct. And then the other thing I then started realizing is that we have a fairly tight home. I think we scored about 3.3 ACH 50. So it's not super tight. It's not net zero or anything. But I mean, it's getting to be where you need mechanical ventilation to the house. And I figured out we have the fresh air is provided by a system called CFIS, Central Fan Integrated Ventilation System meaning that there is a duct from the outside to the return plenum and the system will siphon in fresh air whenever it's running. But for this system to operate right, from what I could figure out, it really should have an electronic damper and a system then that controls and can like bring in air even if you don't need to air condition. We had a mechanical damper and nothing else. Oh, so the siphon effect would only happen when your system was running to condition either heat or cool the space? Correct. And there should have been its own fan to bring in fresh air to recirculate in the house. Yeah, I think the idea is that you use the blower in the air handler. But we had a three-ton system, but to use a blower in the three-ton system blowing 1,200 CFM to slurp in a little bit of air through a four-inch duct, that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. From what I can figure, our blower would pull somewhere between five, 600 watts running. Not very energy efficient way of bringing fresh air into the house. So all this didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Why would I do it like this? It seemed like it was better fit for a maybe older style home. From what I could gather, you'd be better off tight house to have a system that could vary the speed. So did an experiment, and because in the springtime, I started noticing that the system would turn on and off a lot. So I started timing it, and I found that it will be running for about 10 minutes, shutting off for 15, running for 10, shutting off for 15 at nighttime. And I figured that's something that's defined as short cycling. There's no dehumidification going on at that time, or very little in that place. So... I was still way in over my head to figure out what was really going on with all the systems in the house. So we hired in a guy who was a building performance expert, and he repeated the blower door test. He redid the manual J, which had quite a few errors in it, but the numbers shaked out fairly similar in the end. And he started poking around, and he found that we had ducts that were spliced back-to-back flex ducts. That's all we have in the house. This is the south, after all. Nobody uses Rich's duct down here. <laughs> Hardly anybody. <laughs> oh, it's banned. The EPA bans it down there because it's an endangered species. Rigid duct. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Our flex ducts were taped together back-to-back with no collar in between. They were squeezed in many places. We have trusses in the attic, so they lay over the wood on all the trusses. Another thing that I didn't quite understand was that our HVAC system was placed maybe four feet off the south wall of the house, and it's all the way over in the corner. And having a ranch house, you have a fairly big footprint for the square footage you have versus a two-story on slab, for example. So it makes for really long duct runs all the way from the corner to the other side of the house, back and forth. He also measured the pressure in the house, the statics pressure, and it was more than 0.8, which I think is a little bit more than you should have uh, for the air handler to be happy. Yeah, that sounds sort of high. When you get up there near one inch, it's usually a, a struggle for a system to maintain. Yeah. The building performance expert that came in, he observed and saw all these issues. Did he actually correct them or how did that, what transpired from there? 
Well, so he just gave us a list of our stuff that was wrong. He was not a contractor. He could spec out what we need, but it was not from a HVAC company. So with all this, I felt I had enough ammunition, per se, to write a complaint to Energy Star. This was quite upsetting to me, to with all this stuff wrong. So I went on their website and typed in my concerns, and I didn't hear anything back for a month. Mr. Bales was so kind to lend me a few minutes on the phone, and he said that you might want to go to the ResNet website because they are the ones, the people certifying your house. So I went on the ResNet website. I wrote even longer complaint because I knew even more by that time. (laughs) At the same time, in my job, we had connections with the Energy Star folks since at the time I worked for a compliance company that also did Energy Star certification for light bulbs and various fixtures. So we had some connections within there and he forwarded my information. So I got like a two-sided approach to my complaint and I finally got some traction. That started a rather long process trying to explain to the EPA who runs Energy Star what was wrong with my house. And I kept asking, I have all this stuff wrong. Could you please tell me... Or could you send somebody out to look at my house? I mean, I'm over my head here with all this building science information. I really don't know what I'm looking at. I have never seen your report. I don't know the report. I don't know all the requirements. But they were not willing to send somebody out. They said that wouldn't be needed. And so I figured, okay, what do I know? So now we're going into the time frame of fall towards the winter. And nothing has really moved forward in any way. And my wife starts to get worried because we lived in the house in over a year. We're going towards another winter. We're going to have the same condensation problems again on the windows. We had slight traces of mold growing on the windows already the first winter. Like you can see the little black pieces of mold in the frame on the window. And she was really concerned. I mean, we had struggled so much with her health over the years. She's a Navy veteran. She was a corpsman in the Navy. And uh, ever since she had her service, did her service, she had health problems. So going into another winter with these problems in the house was a huge concern for us. So without any resolution from the EPA, I now had so much information gathered that we pulled the trigger on having a uh, local HVAC company come in, someone I had researched, I had been out to the house before, and install a variable speed, high efficiency heat pump system. I also built a new platform in the center of the house, up in the attic. I made a new door up there, so the whole system could be moved to a central location in the house, and we threw out gobs of flex stock. <laughs> I mean, tons. Once all that was installed, our house was performing far, far better. I also had an ERV installed because I knew that we were getting nowhere near enough fresh air. So when this HVAC contractor came out, I asked them to do a CFM test on all my registers to see how much supply and return air we had. Right. And they measured just under 800 CFM. And it's a three-ton system, so... Oh, my gosh. Nowhere near what we should have. You're losing a third of it. Yeah. I don't even know where it went. But once all that we installed, we also had aerosol come in and seal up all the ducts and brought us to under 2% leakage in the ducts. We have a nice 5-inch media filter and a UV light, and it's a wonderful system now. The house performs really, really well on temperature. We're still running a little bit of high on the humidity the following spring and summer, and Alison Bell had an article about the ping-pong effect. So the ping-pong effect is a concern for a house with open-cell spray foam in the attic which when you think about it, it's like a massive sponge up in the attic. And the vapor will rise in your house and accumulate 
up in the attic in the sponge. Then the sun will hit the roof and drive the moisture out and it will go back in higher up when it gets cold again. So the air just goes in and out of this insulation for every cycle of hot and cold. So you can accumulate tremendous amount of moisture in the attic. I was just going to ask if any kind of air sealing between the condition space, because your attic, is it conditioned or is it part of the thermal envelope? Yeah, it is part of the thermal envelope. Okay, all right. So to fix that problem, I bought a whole home dehumidifier and I found a chase that goes from the attic down to the basement. And I pulled the air from the attic through a duct into the whole home dehumidifier and it spits out dry air in the basement. Ever since that's been installed, the humidity has been rock solid at the setting I've set. Uh, it took quite a while for it to like get all the humidity out, but it's been really, really good ever since. So now the temperature is rock solid. My humidity is rock solid. It's everything that you wanted back in 2015. Right. Yeah. But it took you to the fall of 2017 or so. Is that what you said? Yeah, the system got installed January 17, and the whole home dehumidifier late that summer. And it spent probably two months running a lot, and then everything settled down. During this time, I got to know Nate Adams. I stumbled across him online, and I started talking to him on Facebook, and he was very helpful. And then I learned about your indoor air quality in more detail started looking at that versus the energy star spec and i also realized that your ventilation over the oven in our case as a microwave should go to the outside not back into your house i think that's a requirement in the spec in our house it was blowing it back into the house so that's highly unbeneficial for your indoor air quality right it's recycling not even recycling because the filter in there isn't that great yeah, I don't think it does really anything. So I put a new unit in there that had a bigger capture area. And since this was sitting right underneath the old HVAC system, I sent this pipe up into the attic and out that hole that was used for the old HVAC system to siphon air in. <laughs> so it went from intake to exhaust. So that was another thing that wasn't done right really should have been picked up on by whoever was rating the home at the time. Now, the uh, building performance guy that came through our house also identified some other issues in the home, like the insulation between our bonus room and the garage was done wrong. It was laying on the drywall to the garage and up against the conditioned space. And luckily, the builder actually came out and fixed that after a couple tries. But they also found that there were one of the base between the joist all the way up towards the front of the garage didn't have any insulation in it at all. There was wow. nothing in there. How was that discovered? Well, somebody, being me, had to crawl in <laughs> over all the rafters from the back of the garage all the way to the front with a jigsaw, cut the hole. Because actually what happened, I had tons of pictures from when they built the home. And I was going through those pictures and... I realized there was a floorboard over that front bay area. So I was thinking, hmm, I wonder if they got any insulation in this area at all. So I crawled all the way up there with the jigsaw in all the dust, cut the hole, and found nothing. Wow. And another issue we had was that since we were arranged in the basement, the uh, sewer line to our house runs out like halfway up the wall in the basement. We have our laundry room in the basement, and that's about all that's plumbed in for now, but it's also it's ready for a bathroom down there. But we had issues with smell down there. I didn't quite put this together, but we have a lift pump in the laundry room, and it was never sealed properly. Uh, no building inspector or builder really cared to check this, but in reality, there was caps on top there that where the wires goes down to the lift pump. It wasn't sealed at all. So that sewer air just came right into our living space. Is your house slightly positive or negative pressured? Was that anything you ever observed? No, but I would suspect it was negative because we really had no way to bring fresh air in other than that four-inch duct. Right. 
that was running periodically with the three-ton air handler. The suction effect, yeah. Yeah, so that's nowhere near enough. I'm no duct expert per se, but a four-inch duct, I guess, is rated to bring X amount of CFM. I'm quite sure what that number is. I think it's around 40, maybe. Don't quote me on that. (laughs) It's usually not a lot. It's usually an exhaust fan type, maybe 50, maybe 75, but certainly not uh, hundreds of CFM. Yeah, so I brought the instrument home from work, and I measured 25 CFM in that duct before they took the system out. So it's a 2,200-square-foot home. We have in all four bedrooms. I think if you do the calculation for ASHRAE 62.2 for a house like ours, there should be quite a bit more continuously. 25 CFM periodically is nowhere near the fresh air you need. And another thing, while I was looking through all this, I got my hands. So EPA did send me the Energy Star report done for my house. And I learned that your HVAC system is supposed to have an AHRI certificate. I managed to find that on their website. That was a challenge, I would say. It's not easy to... No, it's not. (laughs) To dig something out of there, but I did find it. And I was reading through that, and I can match up the outdoor unit, the indoor unit, and then it said plus TXV. In the Energy Store Star Report, it says the system was installed with a fixed orifice. So, like, well, does this matter? I don't know. So I sent an email to AHRI. They have a thing online. So I just... Ask them straight out. I have this is my certificate. I have this inner unit. I have this outer unit. I have no TXV. Is this then a certified system? And the reply back was no. Hmm. So to me, someone should have caught that little error also. So there's a lot of little mistakes all the way along that I think piled up to a big error. When we took the system out, the HVAC system, one of the guys working said, hey, you got to come over, look at this. So the takeoff for my bonus room was a 10-inch takeoff, but the damper was an 8-inch damper. So how do you go from 10 to 8? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to guess? <laughs> uh, duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A little plier work and some duct tape and... Uh, there you have it. That's how you do it. Not great. Yeah. Anyone listening here will, I think they'll understand you're not an unreasonable person. No. You're asking for what you paid for, what you intended, what you feel was promised, but it sounded like you had to get way too hands-on. You're crawling around looking for missing insulation. Since all of this has happened without maybe so much naming names, but have you gotten any satisfaction from the people involved, the people that should have been responsible for this? I am in the world of product certification myself. I'm an electrical engineer. I test electrical appliances like computers, servers, modems, what have you, to international standards. We write reports, review reports, certified reports. So I'm very familiar with a product of the report writing and the reviewing a certification. And through this whole process, you have a product, which is the house. You have a report, which is the Energy Star report. You have a reviewer. And I know that you can either try and do your best as the report writer, make the best report you can. Now, we all make mistakes. I certainly make mistakes all the time. And that's why you have a reviewer. So you have a picky reviewer, you get your comments back, you fix them, and then you learn till next time and you make a better report. Now, if this starts failing, if the reviewer don't really care, if the builder who builds the home don't really care, and the person writing the report don't really care, everything starts sliding. And I think that's what's going on here. And then the guy writing the report realized that, well, I can probably get away with not doing that. Nobody really reused this. And the builder figures out, well, either they don't know the requirement or they knowingly know they can get away with not following the requirements. So everything slides to the side until you hit a point where it's so bad and you run across a 
strange character like me that <laughs> starts investigating all this stuff. And you start complaining, right? And in all this, what's been so disappointing to me is that Energy Star never once stepped in, sent somebody down here to really look into the matter. Because the fact is, we have a whole darn neighborhood where everybody has the same problem. Every single house here has a four-inch fresh air duct. Most of them have a microwave that does not vent to the outside. And on my uh, Facebook site, there are tons of pictures of horrid flex ducts installed and really sloppy air sealing. As a homeowner, it's very disappointing. I cannot put my name behind that Energy Star house going to be your solution to a happy and healthy, efficient home, because it's not the case. And you think that kind of hedge against this, Energy Star would have some sort of feedback loop. How do you know that the home really is energy efficient? Well, you can measure energy consumption, and they have a tool for that called the yardstick. It's never used in regards to, this is the hearse rating for your home. My house was 70. The yardstick score for my home, the very first year I got the number was 3.1, where zero is really bad and 10 is the best and five is your average house. So I'm reading on the yardstick site, your house could benefit from energy improvements. I was like, really? (laughs) So to me, like my question is, why don't Energy Star have some kind of feedback loop to figure out, to catch the cases where stuff goes wrong. I'm not saying that all builders and all raters do it how they do it in my neighborhood, but how do they know? I don't know. Maybe we'll get someone to listen to this and dig into it, because it does sound like it's an open loop. Right. There certainly is great potential. We were drawn to Energy Star because of the name and what it should provide. And I think there are people with the right intentions at Energy Star and other rating agencies. But if you cannot check if your numbers, what you say you're going to provide, my hair score is 70, my energy usage should be in the ballpark. Of course, we all consume differently. Right. Operator houses differently. Sure. Yeah, for sure. My wife liked the home a little warmer. That's fine. I'm reasonable. I know my host going to maybe use a little bit more because of that, but it will be in the ballpark. If you buy a Ford F350, you know you're going to use more gas than a Prius, no matter how you drive. And I think a home will be in the ballpark the same. I don't think they can ever know. If you don't measure, you don't know. So there got to be some kind of system there to check it, what that is and how that works. I don't think it's for me to figure out, but it really bothers me a lot when there's so many people out there that know nothing better and they think they have a good product and they don't. I'll give you an example. I have a neighbor down here and there's pictures of this house on the website. They have, last winter, they have, the air filters in their air conditioning system was black. I mean, like totally black. All the, you know, the wall plates for the switches and power outlets are black throughout the house. On interior walls, you'd think if you had a pressure difference issue in the house, it would be on exterior walls because the air was flowing in through the house. But this was on interior walls. And they say, T, we're blowing black snot. <laughs> it's like, do you know how dangerous that is? Wow. You're going to get sick. Somebody in this house is going to get sick. That's you meant from their bodies. At first, I thought you meant like blacks not from the wall outlets, but you're saying... No, no, yeah. But there's like they got to sneeze or it's winter. So you have a runny nose and you blow your nose and it's black. It's like this is like being back in the cold. Yeah. Or living in a cave. I got the black lung. <laughs> so... I have provided this information to Energy Star about my neighbors, about how all the other homes have been built, and they haven't mentioned it back in one sentence ever. They have no interest whatsoever to look into it. The only thing they said that they have spoken to the rater and the builder, and it's going to get better from now on. But that doesn't help all the other houses that's already been built. 
And from what I can see, it's not all that much better what's being built. Are houses still under construction? You're able to visit them, sort of look at the guts and things going together correctly or incorrectly? Yeah, I still walk through the homes. It would seem that the last few houses being built at least have a ventilating range hood. But still, a lot of the air sealing is horrible. I mean, it's huge cracks all over the place. I guess huge is relative, you know, because what's common for just the non-energy star builder, the requirements for a non-energy star builder around here is not very impressive. I think all you got to do is pass 7 ACH50, which wouldn't take much. <laughs> so compared to that, they're doing better. But still, there's so many opportunities for doing stuff better. I walk to these homes and I think, why on earth are you doing this? So here's an example. So power outlets. You have a blue box, right? Junction box. Single gang, double gang. They put the drywall on and then they caulk away around the edge of the junction box between the drywall and the junction box. And then you look in the back of the box and there's wires coming into the box. Huge holes in the back of the box. So that the caulking you did around the box has zero effect or very little, I should say, because the back of the junction box is full of holes again. And the wall plate will not fix that problem now because the ground plug certainly lets a lot of air through. I have tested that. You guys turned me on to the smoke sticks. I had a lot of fun with that. <laughs> this page you mentioned, this Facebook page, is it public or do you want it to be public? Yeah, it's public. People are very welcome to go there and look, ask questions. Most of the pictures are from either my house personally or houses under construction. And you want to share that address or the name of that page? They could search it? Yeah, it's Energy Star Homes, The Horrors. Okay. It's an open page. People are welcome to leave comments or ask questions. I try to document this the best I can and with the time I have. I certainly dedicated a lot of time to this subject. I haven't really gotten anything out of it other than knowledge. Uh, it's been very expensive for us as a family to fix our house. But at least I know my house is fixed. I use my Fubot that Nate recommended. And it's really interesting because you can watch the Fubot versus the rate of the ERVs running. And it's a very clear correlation between the indoor air quality and how much that thing runs. It can do a maximum of 90 CFM of fresh air. And we run it at the 70% duty cycle. So... That's about the sweet spot. Anything less than that, we'll have an orange Fubot for most of the time. So why don't you explain the Fubot? Do you have a real intimacy with it since you've been using it for a while? For those of those listeners out there that aren't familiar with what the Fubot is, what it does, and how you're using it. So the Fubot is a USB-powered device. It measures your humidity, temperature, VOCs, and then a particulate matter. Am I forgetting anything? It doesn't... Inference for CO2, I believe, from the TVOCs, from the total VOCs. I can infer like a CO2 level. Yeah, right. So it has no display on it. There is an app, but it does have LEDs. They will be blue if you have good, clean air. And it's like they're staggered, so there's four of them in the height. They will be less and less blue lights as the air quality goes worse. And then it will turn orange and be more and more orange lights as it gets really bad. And also the app, then you can log in wherever you are in the world and check how your home indoor air quality is. It might not be like super precise, like some of the tools you sell, but it certainly is a good gauge for how you're doing with your indoor air quality. I think it's sold on Amazon for about $1.99 typically. We actually sell them too. At, at my company, True Tech Tools, sells them also. We have a good working relationship with Jacques Toulon, who's the inventor of it. And I need to get him on the podcast sometime so he can tell his story of why he developed this product and how things have been going with him, him using it. But it's really an interesting tool. Like you mentioned that Nate mentioned on his interview and on the podcast, how he has a number of them in different customers' homes and he's doing sort of continuous monitoring over time. What has the Fubot told you? You're a data guy, okay? You've established that. (laughs) (laughs) 
is there anything, say, like your wife or I, I believe you have uh, children, do they react to it, understand it, use the information from it? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if it's meant to use for its purpose, but my son or wife will sometimes shake stuff over the foobot just to see if it changed color or not. <laughs> it's got a decorative effect to it. No, it's just like we bought some piece of clothing and it's like, is this full of gunk or is it not? I don't think they really intended it for that use, but <laughs> sometimes they just go boom, straight to orange. Like, wow, look at that. <laughs> yeah, I have a friend who has one and his wife says, foobot angry when it turns orange like that. <laughs> if you look back to how this house was before we did all the changes. So we had a four inch fresh air duct that would only bring in fresh air when the AC system was running and it fall and spring is not that often, you know, especially here, it's fairly mild. So compared to how my ERV is running, which is forcing air in and out of the house continuously, and also my whole home dehumidifier has, we also let it bring in air from the outside because ERV is balanced, but I mean, we do have a dryer when we cook, we blow air out. So to me, it made sense to let the ERV siphon in air, filter and humidify it before it comes into the house. So we bring in quite a bit of fresh air. It is needed for this home. So what was put in the house originally was nowhere near what we needed. There's a little story with that. I remember we had a neighbor by, I don't remember how long we lived in the house, but it was been several months and she says, oh, your house still has that new home smell. Like, oh, that's cool. No, it's not. That's not cool at all. That means we have all the VOCs and all this gunk still in the air that shouldn't be there. And that didn't change until we got the new system put in. So the new system that was mounted in the center of the attic space, and then you're able to shorten the runs, fully stretch out, I imagine, put correct radius and support in for the flex so that nothing was collapsed or compressed like it was before. So that was your first major fix. And I'm not sure the order here, but I'm just trying to recall. And you did the dehumidifier, the standalone dehumidifier that pulled the ping pong effect moist air out of the attic space, which is in the thermal and the air sealing envelope, and then dumped dry air into the basement. And you added an ERV to bring in fresh air, an outdoor exhaust, to the kitchen hood and you aero sealed the ducts. Did I miss anything? No, that's about it. The new HVAC system is fully variable. It's a Lennox system. It's their top of the line Lennox heat pump system. It's more system than I would expect the builder to fix if they were to fix the house. And I spend more money than they would spend. But my thinking there is that if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. And Another thought in all of that, before we ever did anything, is like the HVAC system is like the heart and blood of your house, right? Yep. Let's say you had to go and have heart surgery and you come back and you find that it ain't working right. This guy, he taped your veins together. <laughs> you only have 36% the blood flow you should have. Would you want to go back to him? because he has the right to repair, or do you want the best guy in the state to fix your house or your heart? I didn't want the original contractor in the house to fix this HVAC system, because I didn't trust them. Because, I mean, they were in this house several times to investigate. Maybe had techs in here. We had the management in here. They didn't want to do anything. They didn't answer my emails. So they had no interest in doing any work. And it's just that blame game going on between the builder and the HVAC contractor. And as the homeowner, you end up with nothing. So we just bit the bullet and got the right system in the house. Now, if you look at my energy bill from before to new, like say this month and the same month last year, with the new, new and old system, our energy usage has gone down between 400 and 600 kilowatt hours per month. And we haven't really changed our lifestyle. There's no more people living here or no really other differences. It's just that the system is just running how it's supposed to run. The decrease is 400 to 600 out of what? Or what's the percentage decrease? Just to kind of frame that. 
well, say the most we used to use maybe 1800 and it will go down to 1200. So it's a huge difference. Sure. So going back to these five major upgrades and you don't have to get into specific dollar amounts, but what extra over the cost of the home as you received it that first year in 2015, what was the percentage extra roundabout that you put in to get it to the point where those five fixes brought you to the home you wanted? Well, it got to be expensive since we had to move the system. I could have done a swap just where the old system were, but based upon the CFM reading and all this stuff, I knew that I wouldn't be satisfied with that. So let's see, percentage-wise, yeah, somewhere around 10% of the home price, a little bit less. It was expensive, that's for sure. Yeah. Still paying on it (laughs) if you want to make a donation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Go fund me. Yeah. No, it's all good. I guess it's part of life. It's part of learning. It's really no fun, but life is not always fair. I really just would wish that people who had a chance to do something about it would step up and take responsibility. People are getting hurt out there. Yeah. And I think it's interesting the way you described it is if everybody lets part of their work slide a little that overall it creates an avalanche of trouble for the homeowner that takes over possession of the home. And that's what seems to happen in your case. There's nothing about you that seems unreasonable in this whole process. In fact, I think you're very calm in your demeanor. (laughs) Well, (laughs) considering everything that's gone on, at least at this point, maybe you've had a chance to absorb and reflect. Yeah, it's a little bit more behind me now. Maybe also had some issues with drainage around the outside of the house. I found out that in the end, she starts back. The builder is allowed to fill out and submit that portion. It's just like, okay, that doesn't make any sense at all. He's going to answer the same every single time he fills out that sheet. Jeez, (laughs) come on. (laughs) Let's get real here. But he did actually come out and put in some drainage from the front of the house that will guide water out to the backside. So that's been helpful too. But all those little things matter. If you're a tech or installer and you install flex stocks and you're like, "Ah, I'm just going to tape this together and nobody's going to ever see it. Well, it does matter. All those little things matters in the end. So there's a much bigger picture in all of this because as we learn more and more, the air inside your homes has a great effect on your health. I don't think anybody in this country is happy about the cost of healthcare. And every time you're being sloppy about your work, installing flat ducts, so we suck in and breathe insulation we shouldn't be breathing, that's going to make somebody sick and they're going to have to go to the hospital or end up on some pills and they just add on to the cost. And you might think that, well, it's not going to make any difference. Nobody's going to ever know. But everything matters. Is the cumulative effect of all the stuff we do that really matters you got to take some pride in the work you do that's a perfect way to end this i was going to ask you what message do you want to convey to the people listening here and you did that (laughs) preemptively or either that or you're reading my mind yeah the cumulative effect of your work sloppy work does make a difference and you could be impacting someone's health and actually jacking up healthcare costs for all of us not appreciating your role in the bigger picture and and take pride in your work. That's what you said. Yeah, take pride in your work. Yeah. Very good. I feel like we've covered what what I'd like to do. Is there anything else you'd like to do or speak about here? Nothing really comes to mind. I mean, there's always tons of little nitpicky stuff we can talk about, but overall, that's all I think I have to say. Okay. Energy star score at the yardstick score has increased and it's climbing for every month that goes by. So we're now, last to check, we were closer to seven, I think. So So the first year was 3.1? 3.1. For the year of 2016, we were 3.6. And every month that then went by after that, we have kept climbing past five. So <laughs> more than average, it, it keeps going up. So now we've been in the house about a year with the HVAC. It might still go up just a little bit because of we have better control on humidity now. The house is really good now. It's super comfortable. It's a good place to live. It's not net zero home. That would be a whole different cost for a house, but it's a comfortable place to live. 
Very nice. Well, I'm glad that you finally arrived a couple of years too late. A lot of lessons learned, but again, I was, my objective here is to sort of give you a voice and again, a very reasonable person explaining what happened and what they had to go through personally to make up for a cascading effect of shortcomings in the process. So let's hope what you had to say here makes a difference for now and in, in ongoing years with the programs and houses and things like this and encourage all homeowners to get as involved as they can. You seem to get super involved. You probably have a better building science knowledge than some practitioners. That's not like you really wrapped your head around all this. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably be a nightmare for a builder next time I buy a house. Yeah, you would. <laughs> and actually, maybe you want to leverage that asset and sell your services to be the bad cop. <laughs> it's needed. I mean, you look at a lot of houses built around here, and especially Atlanta in the south, they're horrible about putting an AC system in the attic, in the unwanted attic. And it's like, Golly, I mean, there's like, there's nothing okay with that. Yeah, crazy. I think we'll wrap up here. Thanks again for coming on and I hope our listeners got something out of this and take something away. Do something a little different some way or another. That's what this podcast is supposed to be about, it's supposed to change the way things are done. So I want to thank you again, T, for coming on tonight, spending the time with us. We hope to speak with you again in the future. I appreciate the time to get to express myself. It's been two years of frustrations, but I'm happy now. I hope the people that have power can go out and make other people happy too. Good. So, yeah, thank you. I want to thank you for listening to Taye Gronas speak about his trials and tribulations with his Energy Star home and the things he had to go through. He spoke about caring, people having the right intentions and people caring. Well, the thought we're going to leave you with today is something that actually came up in a conversation I had with Jim Bergman this morning, same day I was recording this with Terry. The thought was, we need to provide a pathway to success for people who care, especially using examples of small successes to show that it's approachable and doable. We're looking to find people who have the passion. This goes for both contractors and consumers. Well, I think we spoke in this episode today with a consumer who definitely has the passion the question is, are you a contractor or technician that has the passion, cares to do it right, cares to keep learning? That's what we're hoping for. Some of the products mentioned in this episode are for consumer use, some are for technician use, but most of them are carried by True Tech Tools, my company. So if you go to truetechtools.com and use the discount code HVACBS, you can get a nice discount on any of the products. There's one there, especially the FUBOT. If you're a consumer listening or even a contractor, it's a very neat product to tell you an awful lot of information. We're going to have the inventor of the FUBOT on into a future podcast, so you get to learn a little bit more about that. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor of the Building HVAC Science Podcast, please email me at bill underscore spone, S-P-O-H-N, at bluecollarroots.com. I want to thank you for listening again. Never stop learning, and maybe tonight, never stop caring. Take care.